to Whiteside and missed the dunk, got it back. Picked out Halliburton for three. Butter! Tyrese! Slick with Here's Barnes off the turnover. Buddy catch and shoot three. Got it! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the King's Court presented by RateCrushers.com. Everyone go to RateCrushers.com so they can kill your rate on any of your insurance, whether it be life insurance, health insurance, medical, uh, car insurance, leisure insurance. They have you covered. They will crush that rate. Joining me today, uh, I'm excited to have this man on. He's going, he's going through changes and I'm excited to see what's coming. It's ESPN 13's 20, your Kings insider, James Ham. James, how you doing? Good. What's going on, Vince? How are you? Oh, you know, it's, it's the day. Today was, uh, today we're recording this on Saturday. It was my daughter's soccer tournament today. We lost in the second round, which was a little disappointing. I, I, honestly, though, I was surprised we even made it into the second round. This team, uh, they're tryhards. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they won the first game, lost in the second. But how, how are you doing, man? How's, how's things been for you? You know, I, I miss soccer, that's for sure. My oldest played soccer for years. He played competitive, uh, you know, probably put in 400 games, uh, between the ages of like 10 and, and 18. And now he's aged out. So, uh, he isn't, he doesn't get to play anymore, which is, is a bummer for me. But outside of that, yeah, it's just kind of a, a rainy Saturday. It's quiet. Uh, Kings didn't have practice today and, you know, I, I am, like you said, going through a bunch of changes as far as career stuff. Uh, I've joined ESPN 1320. Um, NBC is no longer going to cover the Kings um, with an on-the-ground reporter on a daily basis. Um, but uh, that's not going to slow me down. I'm going to cover the team from ESPN 1320. Um, I'm going to open up my own uh, my own site to do some some writing. Uh, I'm going to restart the podcast, which I've missed like incredibly. Um, and so, yeah, lots of good stuff happening with me. I've just been on the grind at uh, the practice facility or games every single day. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's actually really good to hear. It's exciting to hear that you're bringing back that podcast. I, I started listening to that podcast and I've been following. I mean, you and I've been friends since probably like 2013, 14, when I started having you on. Initially, what was my YouTube show, which has transitioned into a podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you got picked up right away and, and we're going to see more of you. And I think we're going to hear more of you now that, uh, you're with ESPN giving you that, that platform. So that's awesome for you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for something new. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into the Kings, James, because we've seen some pretty good basketball from them early on. I think there was a little bit of, Fans feeling like they wanted to see some competitiveness, right? They just wanted to see a change, something that showed we are taking a step forward instead of either staying in place or taking a step back. And I think through these first two games, the win over Portland and obviously the loss last night against the Utah Jazz, the Kings are looking to be competitive this year, and and they look good. What were your biggest takeaways through these first two games? Yeah, I think there's a lot to look at, right? I think that's the biggest thing that I've I've noticed that – this team is totally different than it was last year, at least so far. What we're seeing is totally different. And uh, lots of good stuff to be excited about. Um, you know, again, I, I think uh, rookie Davion Mitchell, like his performance in the first two games, um, he hasn't even really scored uh, hardly at all. But, man, as he looked just off the charts impressive on the defensive end, I don't think we've seen anything like him in Sacramento since we're on our test. And, uh, you know, he, he plays, he's got a little, a little Doug Christie in him. He's got a little, uh, Ron Artest, you know, there's, there's just like, uh, he's different, you know, and, and I think that's going to be fun to watch. Um, I think one of the good things that I've seen so far is that, uh, the Kings have a lot of room to grow. Like they, they haven't played their best game yet and they're, one and one against two really, really good Western Conference op- opponents. Um, so you kind of have to gauge that and, and see where they, they grow from here. They've got a really, really tough schedule to start the season. Um, but, you know, again, I, I think we've got plenty of room for Halliburton to show improvement. We've got plenty of room for Fox to show improvements. And 
Um, guys like Terrence Davis haven't really had a, a great start. So, you know, there's there's uh, plenty to like and, and plenty more to come, I think. You brought up something that kind of has caught my eye in the first two games. Obviously, the, the defense of Davion Mitchell has been phenomenal. He, found, he, he had a highlight play in his second game on Donovan Mitchell, which I think is going to be played throughout the entire season from every Kings fan until the next one. But one of my biggest concerns so far through these first two games has been De'Aaron Fox a little bit. The shot selection seems to be a little bit questionable for me. I believe he shot 40% against the Blazers and then really struggled against the Jazz and only scored two points in that entire second half. Uh, I, I think maybe that shoulder gave him issue, but still finishing, I believe, at 29% from the field. Do you think defenses are starting to realize or at least pressuring Fox into taking that jump shot and seeing if he has that or not? And for him to really take that next step, it is going to be – better shot selection, and obviously knocking down that jump shot for him to be successful this season? You know, I think he's going to be really successful no matter what. Um, I mean, we're looking at a guy who in the opener scored uh, 27 points and had eight or nine assists. Um, You know, so while his shooting percentages weren't great, um, you know, he still put up huge numbers. Um, I, I think with Fox... Number one, uh, the shoulder clearly bothered him. Um, and, and I'm sorry if my, my dog is making noise. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, overall, um, what I want to see from him is steady improvement throughout the season for him to use the strength that he's built. I don't think anyone has made an adjustment to him yet, but I mean, you play two really good teams and yeah. teams that have defensive players that can slow you down. And now you're going to go up against, you know, a team in, in the Golden State Warriors that have a lot of offensive firepower, but I don't think they really have somebody who can slow Fox down. And we'll have to see how he reacts, how he comes out, and if he plays with a different type of force and and energy than he has in, in the first two games. Um, and that's saying that, you know, that his shoulder's okay. Like, I think we're all hoping that it was just a little stinger. Um, and that he's not going to miss any time. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about, especially when we look at the games, the season that he put up last year and sort of how he performed throughout the year. Yeah, it's not something that I'm necessarily worried about. It's just something that I'm monitoring through these first two games just because this is a guy who shot about 47.7% from the field last season. So to see him kind of struggle this much early on, uh, it, it just makes me question if defenses are going to try and really test him this season and seeing if he has that jump shot and try and, I, I think, uh, close out on those lanes so there's not so much room for him to just continue to drive and kick. And I think that's something that Davion's going to need to work on as well. I think his size uh, during that last game showed that he's going to struggle a little bit to make that, that corner pass or even to make any type of drives because he kind of seemed a little flustered. And I also think his confidence was a little scared to take that jump shot in the fourth quarter. But I think that's just an evolution of a rookie. So that's something I was monitoring. Also, let's go ahead and move on to the next player here that I need to talk about, which is Buddy Heald. And you did a great interview with him, I believe, right after practice, about a day before the season began, about asking him about his role and just succeeding in your role. What do you think Buddy's mentality is heading into this season? And through these first two games, what have you been most impressed by? Um, let's see. I mean, like, I think there's a lot to like about what we're seeing from from Buddy Hield right away. Um, number one, I think maturity wise, uh, I think he's 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 growing and figuring out that this is who and what he has to be. Like, I think he's he's definitely um, starting to to understand that. Like, look, this is the NBA and like everybody wants to start. But at the end of the day, you need to do what's best for your team. You need to uh, like it, it's the the idea of being a star in your role. Like everyone has has a role. And, and if you're not willing to accept your role, then you're going to have a lot of trouble, you know, at the NBA level. You're going to it's going to take a long time for you to to like grow and, and find um, find a team that's, that's willing to put it all out there for you. And, um, I, you know, NBA players, they come into the league and they're, a lot of them think that they're going to be like the next Michael Jordan. And in reality, um, they're not. They're going to be, 
you know, either out of the league quickly or they're going to be a guy who uh, carves out a niche. And I, I think Buddy has an incredible ability to shoot the ball and incredible ability to score the ball. Um, and that's who he needs to be as a player. And whether that's off the bench or that's as a, you know, as a, a starter, it, it doesn't matter. He just needs to embrace what it is that he's doing, earn his minutes, however many of those are going to be, and and do the skill that, you know, really focus on the skill set that makes him a very good NBA player. And that shooting three-pointers, it's uh, he needs to get to the line better. But, you know, to be honest with you, he's a pretty good rebounder for, for a shooting guard. Um, he's a guy who has improved as a passer. He's improved as a shot creator for himself and others. And it, and if he just embraces the role that he's in right now, which is that, that super six guy, I think he can have one of the best seasons of his career. And, uh, and we're already seeing, you know, against Utah, I don't necessarily want him taking 10 three pointers in the first half, but you know, like he has a green, a green light and he should have a green right. light. He's one of the great three point shooters in the history of the game. Uh, through the first, you know, five, six years of his career. So we'll have to see if he continues on this path and he's happy go lucky and he continues to accept the role. Um, and if he does that, I think he's going to be just fine and he's going to be a really good player for the Kings. Yeah, I, I really think having that next point guard with, and, and with it being Mitchell, just the fact that he doesn't have to be the, the offensive starter like he was doing many times last season. I feel like they try to put the ball too much into his hands. And he's even though he has improved as a ball handler, I don't think he's necessarily a passer and is someone that should be looked to ignite the offense. Uh, obviously, the shooting is going to be there. James, tell me if you agree with this, though. I feel like because there is so many ball handlers now in the three guards, Fox, Mitchell, and Halliburton, that they're running different types of plays for Buddy that get him open without him having the ball in his hands. And I think that's going to translate even more so later on in the season where he doesn't have to always, like like you said, create for himself even though he can. This just allows him to move without the basketball and actually score. Do you see that in Walton's offense right now? Yeah, I mean, look, this offense is is going to continue to develop and continue to sort of morph into what it's going to be. Uh, you know, early in the season, you got a lot of new pieces, a lot of moving pieces, and you're going to have to see how guys develop. Um, you know, in my opinion, I've said this like uh, multiple times. I, I do believe that like a guy like Davion Mitchell, his offense is well behind his defense. Like what we're seeing from him defensively is so next level that is crazy. Um, and and I really don't want him handling the ball very often. Um, you know, if, if he's attacking the rim here and there, if he's catching, uh, getting the catch and shoot and, and shooting the the three ball, I'm fine with that. Every once in a while, do the little quick move and pull up from 18 and and hit that jump shot. That's fine. Um, but I think you have natural playmakers on this team in Fox and Halliburton. I want to see the ball in their hands a lot. And then, you know, it, it's kind of with that, the other three guards that they have in, in Mitchell, Hield, and, uh, and Terrence Davis, you have three guys that can create for others, but Really, they they aren't specific playmakers. So, I mean, I would like to see Walton leave one of Halliburton or Fox on the court at all times. Um, but it's just not like the the early flow. It just it, it's not quite there, which is why you see them, you know, struggle for some stretches and have some mistakes in crunch time and and you know let a team like Portland back in a game uh, or you know not really compete in the final couple of minutes against a team like Utah after really having a, a solid game for about, you know, 45 minutes. Um, they're just, they're still growing together, they're still learning, and, and they're still trying to figure out all of these nuances that you're talking about, like who's going to be the secondary ball handler, who's going to who's gonna be the guy with the second unit or the first unit that really takes over in certain moments. They're still trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. One thing they're trying to figure out, I think, is their big man rotation. Obviously, we saw Holmes go through a little bit of foul trouble. Then they threw in Alex Lynn. But in game one, we saw a lot of Tristan Thompson. We even got to see a a glimpse, a 10-minute spurt of Marvin Bagley 
what do you make of the big man rotation? Is it always going to be this interchangeable thing, or do you think that they're just trying to find that guy that's going to be the backup to Holmes, or is it purely just matchup-based? No, I, I, I mean, I think it's going to be matchup-based um, from what I can tell. I mean, what we're looking at right now is – um, is that Rashawn Holmes is a 30-minute-a-game-plus center, and he really does bring a lot. But every once in a while, he's going to go up against someone like Gobert, uh, and he's going to get in foul trouble. And so you're going to need he's – he's a guy that has struggled with foul trouble throughout his career. Um, he stays in a lot of games, but that doesn't mean he isn't limited slightly because of his foul trouble. And uh, you have two guys that bring something totally different. Tristan Thompson is sort of that immovable force. He's a low center of gravity and a veteran who's just really, really strong and is not going to get pushed around. But a bigger guy can shoot over the top of him, which is what we saw from Hassan Whiteside off the bench. And then you have Alex Len, who's more of that long, athletic, um, you know, super tall center that can go up against guys like Jokic, guys like Gobert, guys like Whiteside, guys like Valanchunas. Uh, and, and really give you a different look. So I think it's good that they have like a three-headed monster, but it's really not a three-headed monster. I think on a nightly basis, it's really going to be more Rashawn Holmes playing major minutes and then uh, Tristan Thompson and Alex Lynn kind of sharing a role off the bench. And I, I don't, again, like Mo Harkless was out against uh, Utah. That's the reason why we saw Marvin Bagley in the game, but Marvin Bagley played the four. He didn't play any five. And so I think we're going to see um, sort of a continuation of that. As long as the the forward combo of Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless stay healthy, they're going to play most of the minutes at the four, uh, a lot of minutes at the three as well. Uh, and then we'll see a bunch of three guard sets and, those guys are just more versatile and they're going to play a lot along with the three guard sets, whether it's Mo at the four and, you know, Rashawn at the five or Harrison at the four and, you know, Tristan at the five. We're going to see a lot of combinations with, you know, just two small, uh, one smaller power forward big and uh, one bigger, you know, center big. Uh, and it'll be based on matchups, but, as long as Harrison Barnes is, you know, what's he averaging? 14 rebounds a game on the season or 12 rebounds a game on the season. Um, yeah. You know, as long as he's holding his own as a rebounder and getting close to eight to nine rebounds a game on, you know, most nights uh, or even, you know, seven and a half, I think we're going to see a lot of those guys at that four position. ESPN's thirteen twenty, James Ham, your Kings insider, joins the Kings court here presented by RateCrushers.com. All right, James, I got to ask you, just because we're talking about the big man, and it's something I haven't got to discuss with really anybody yet, just a little bit of opinions here and there, but give me your thoughts on this Marvin Bagley situation, right? His agent comes out, pulls out a press release explaining how they're disappointed that they're not in the rotation on opening night and yada, yada, yada. It just feels like to me they're starting to become a cloud over Marvin Bagley to where if he doesn't get what he wants, someone is going to talk about it publicly. And I don't know if that's really good for him or necessarily even good for this team. What What are you hearing about Marvin Bagley? What are your thoughts on Marvin Bagley's role on this team? And what are your thoughts on the situation as a whole? Yeah, I can say this. Like, you're right. It, it does become a distraction, of course. You know, there is concern um, that, that he, like his people are going to, you know, continue to be, you know, noisy on the outside, but, but behind the walls and inside that, the locker room, the players don't care. They don't care about what's going on there. Um, you know, if Marvin is ready to play, uh, when they call upon him, that's all they care about, you know, and he came out and he played 10 minutes. I thought he was okay in his 10 minutes. Um, he had some nice rebounding moments. Um, I thought he looked a little bit out of sorts with just like, where is he supposed to be on offense? Um, He's very specifically being told to do things that aren't um, sort of his wouldn't be like his first nature. Like they are all second nature. They do not want him flashing to the middle of the key and putting his arm up and calling for the ball and expecting a post up. Um, you know, it's about spacing and he needs to sit in the corner on certain possessions. He needs to attack the rim hard. 
um, you know, on, on the glass and, and hit the, the rebound angle really hard. Um, but overall, like, it's almost like they're Marvin Bagley, the player and Marvin Bagley, all the outside noise are two separate things. He's actually a very nice young man. Um, you know, do I think his agent did him any good at all? I do not believe that. I, I don't think that that helped him at all. His agent coming out and lambasting the Kings. Um, you know, Marvin is the one who asked for a trade. Uh, Marvin is also the one that played 13 games in his second season and 43 games in his third season. He's a guy that's missed a lot of time and that's not on the Kings. Uh, and a lot of it's just buzzard luck, even though Marvin will tell you he doesn't believe in luck. Uh, a lot of it's just, you know, unfortunate situations, but it's a reality. And, you know, he hasn't developed the way that people had hoped when he was coming out of college. Um, and while he can still put up 14 and a half points and seven rebounds a game, uh, those are the same numbers you put up as a rookie. And, you know, the Kings have always needed him to develop as a defender and just the overall IQ on the court. You know, he, he hasn't really improved that much as a passer. Um, he hasn't shown the willingness to be a passer, which is, you know, a, an additional problem. Um, so like, look, it, these things happen. Players get drafted every year that don't work out. And every year there's, you know, three or four guys in the top 10 that don't particularly pan out all that well. And Vince, I'll remind people that Tristan Thompson was like the fourth pick in the draft. And Alex Len was, I think he was a fifth pick in the draft. Like, it's not like, like Marvin Bagley is the only high level or highly thought of guy coming in the league that hasn't had like this blow up career that everyone thought they would. I mean, we have two examples on the Kings roster that he's playing alongside that didn't become 20 and 10 big men and superstar big men. I mean, not everybody know what it is. We know what it is, James. It's what's we, we picked Bagley by the Kings picked Bagley over Luka Doncic over Trey Young. And that's, That'll always be a thing. Like, that'll always be the reason why I think he gets the most hate. And I also feel like, and this is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that, that's like the chip on his shoulder from everything that I, like, he plays with that in his mind. I think that gets to them a little bit. At least, I feel from at least the outside looking in that it seems as a number two pick, he should be on the court. And it could just be because obviously the agent releasing stuff, the, the behind the scenes things with his family and his team talking very loudly about how he needs to get minutes and things like that. Like, it just feels like that is over their head just as much as it is in the fans' head of, man, we chose Bagley over Luka. Well, I mean, we could continue to, I mean, we, there's always players that get drafted over somebody. And, and I know yeah. you're going to say, you know, well, you know, wait a second. And, and I'll say, like, look, Tristan Thompson, for example, right? He's taken with the fourth pick and, what is it, the 2011 NBA draft. And, you know, of course, Kyrie is a number one pick. Well, Derek Williams was a number two pick. Ennis Cantor was a number three pick. Jonas Valanciunas is better than all, everyone except for Kyrie. He's a number five pick. Oh, and by the way, Clay Thompson is a number 11 pick. And Kawhi Leonard is the number 15 pick in that same exact draft. Uh, Vucevic is the 16th pick in the draft. So, yeah. like, every draft is going to have that. I think the real sad, like, sort of answer for for all of this is that, like, I firmly believe that Marvin Bagley can have a very good NBA career. I do not believe at this point that he can have a very good career in Sacramento. I, I just think that that's yeah. kind of where we've gone, right? Again, Alex Len was a fifth pick. Steven Adams was a 12th pick. Uh, like, who's had a better career? Oh, and by the way, Giannis Antetokounmpo was a 15th pick in that same exact draft when Alex Lind was the fifth pick in the draft. So, like, look, we have to, once players are who they are, then we have to sort of accept that about them. And the fact that Marvin is uh, is not Luka and he's not Trey Young, you know, neither is Jaron Jackson. And for that matter, DeAndre Ayton, isn't anywhere near as good as those two players either. And he was the first pick in that draft, and he didn't get his rookie scale contract either. His rookie yeah, scale he made it to a finals. Potential. 
He made it to a finals. He made uh, it to a finals. That means team. nothing, man. That means nothing. What? That, that means something. He made it to the finals. He's really good. DeAndre Ayton is really good. He really is good. a, but he's nowhere near as good as Trey Young or Luka Doncic. No. So no, that's but, the point. Like, if you're going to yeah. say, well, Marvin did this or that, I mean, again, Marvin Bagley hasn't had uh, Devin Booker and he hasn't had Chris Paul on his team throughout his career. Yeah. And I'm not saying that things would have been totally different. Uh, you still have to look at the injuries as they are what they are. Like, Marvin hasn't been able to get on the floor. So, like, look, I, I'm not making excuses for Marvin Bagley. I don't like the way that his dad has gone to the media all the way back to his rookie season and really been a thorn inside of the Kings. I don't like the fact that, you know, there are plenty of times where his injuries last an, a week or two or three longer than what the initial diagnosis thought would be. Um, and so those are issues that, I, you know, there are times where, you know, I'm not going to say he – He's not tough enough to get back on the court, but at the same time, you just don't know, like, are you hurt or are you injured? If you're hurt, then, you know, you need to get back out there as quickly as possible to help your team. If you're injured, then, like, let's, you know, bring in, like, six experts and make sure that you're good moving forward. And we haven't had a lot of moments with Marvin outside of, you know, the broken thumb or uh, the hand fracture where he was actually injured. And it was, you know, a long-term diagnosable, you know, you're going to be out this amount of time. And even those injuries, uh, you know, I think the hand injury, this last one was supposed to be four weeks and he missed six, uh, maybe a little bit more than that. Um, and he left the team for 30 days. Uh, and then, you know, his rookie season, the, the broken thumb was supposed to be four to six weeks and it took seven. And so those are, issues where it's like okay like how quickly can you are you healing is it a healing issue do you not heal fast enough um or you know are are you guys being extremely protective of your brand and who you are as a player so you're you can worry about this in you know year 10 and i, I think a lot of players get caught up in that and and then by the time that they uh they get to year 10 um you know they they could be you know selling real estate somewhere if yeah. if they don't take some of these things as seriously as they should. Um, so, I, again, I don't like the outside noise. I don't like what the agent did. Uh, but, again, the Kings have basically, in my opinion, they they view him as an $11.8 million expiring contract. And, yeah. and that's the way you have to look at him at this point. And, again, he's a nice young man. I don't think he's causing any problems behind the scenes. He's sitting there running and doing his drills. He's been to practice. He had the sore knee and missed five game, uh, five days or something. Um, but again, he wasn't in the rotation when that happened and he wasn't going to be in the rotation. And that's just kind of the way it was going to set up. It was set up from early in this preseason. And, and also, uh, I know he knew that long before that, that, uh, tweet by his agent. He knew that beforehand. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't want to harp on the whole Marvin Bagley thing. I think all the fans are kind of doing that already. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I will say this though, la last thing about it, I was like, he's probably going to be looked at as like the same as Darko Milicic, or I think that's his last name from that 03 draft where I went LeBron, Darko, then Carmelo. Like it's just going to be that type of thing. But you know, I, I hope that he does get get the opportunity to try and show. Something. I mean, I know that he's average. I believe like the same numbers. People keep throwing up the Jaron Jackson stuff. The the thing, the difference between Jaron Jackson and I think Marvin Bagley is they are hoping that his impact on winning is going to be there because defensively, Jaron Jackson has shown every time he's on the court that it's a difference maker. The shot blocking ability and the fact that he's able to knock down three point shots. His thing is just about staying healthy. Uh, I I've heard from multiple different podcasts that they are worried about the injury and they know that's a little bit of a gamble the injury history history i should say of, of jaron jackson but jackson jackson's on a team where they're they're looking to win today i think the kings are as well it's just bagley hasn't developed into being a offensive player that he wanted to be and defensively i don't i haven't seen much other than he doesn't get back down as as easily as he once did so yeah. i don't i don't Go ahead. I would I would respond like okay so first of all Jaron Jackson has played like ten more games than Marvin Bagley. Um, secondly, 
for a guy of his size, he's an absolutely horrific rebounder. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who, who rebounds at a much lower clip than a guy like Harrison Barnes, who is a six foot eight small forward playing, the, playing the, uh, the four half the time. He has some, some moments where he's solid. Um, but again, the dude played 11 games last season. Um, you know, and he didn't play a ton of games in his first two seasons and he showed some promise, but overall, most of his promise is as like a stretch shooter, um, not as, you know, like a, someone you can count on night in and night out. So like, while I get it, um, I'll also say this, like DeAndre Ayton, I'm not even going to put in the category of, of a player who is a surefire hall of famer, like the Darko Milicic situation. Uh, I'll also say this, Darko never, if I can remember, maybe one season, he put up 14 and seven. Like Marvin Bagley, when he is healthy, is actually, you know, a pretty good offensive player, uh, and has shown plenty of promise. The problem is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and hasn't been able to grow into his role. And at this point, to be honest, in my opinion, it's a coin flip between him and Jaron Jackson. I don't think either one of them have lived up to their promise and neither one of them clearly, you know, the fact that I think the uh, defense for Jaron Jackson is the is the difference maker. Why it's the why you lean? If, if, yeah, if the coin flip will land that, on Jaron every time because of the defense. Yeah, every bit that he's he's been able to uh, to put up defensively, Marvin's been so much better offensively. So you know, like I, I get it, uh, you know, and I think that both of them can still have really strong careers. I just think that one of them isn't going to have a strong career with the team that drafted him, and the other one has at least a chance to do that. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so and they're not the only ones. You know, Mo Bamba, uh, Wendell Carter was in that draft. Kevin Knox at number nine. Like, there's a Ooh. lot of players from that draft. Where, where, that, who he play for right now, James? Who he play for right now? Yeah, I, I think Kevin Knox is on the Knicks, but I I don't think he. <laughs> plays for the Knicks I mean maybe yeah. maybe I'm wrong yeah oh yeah he played four minutes uh in, in their opener yeah so so like look I, I think there are there are a lot of things to that you can point out with Marvin Bagley but we're still talking about a guy who averages 14 and a half points and 7.5 rebounds a game and and yeah. you know like he's he's not what you hoped he would be at this point but it's it's as much injury base as anything else and you know, I uh, again, like I, I just look at it like Darko Milicic never scored nine points a game in a season. There's a big difference. I just think the expectations yeah. and the fact that he went in front of two, you know, all stars, it hurts. And, and the fact that he should not have been the number two pick and that Luka Doncic should have been actually, for that matter, Luka Doncic should have been the number one pick. Trey Young should have been the number two pick. That's the way that draft should have gone, um, but that's just not the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is what it is. We can't keep harping on it. I, I honestly feel like there's plenty of teams that he could be, like, as a backup big, whether it's at the four or the five, he could do good. I think he'd be really good in Charlotte. I'm just throwing that team out there. I don't know if there, there's anything there, but there's something that, that I'm throwing out there for you guys is I think Marvin Bagley would be really good in Charlotte. Let's look forward now, James. Let's look forward. And I got to talk to you about these next few games here that we have going on because I, I, I felt like the first five games were going to be a real test for the Kings. And through the first two, I, they got a big win, I believe, over that Portland Trailblazers team, sneaking that win out. And I, and I think you said it best on a pregame show where you said, and it was on uh, D'Lo and KC, where you said, they have a new system that they're trying to learn, a new head coach now there, this could be a game that they can win. And they came out there and they came ready to play. And then there in Utah, I felt like they were going to get it. Obviously, Utah came and uh, in the fourth quarter, came back and did what they needed to do. But now looking ahead, we have the Golden State Warriors, the Phoenix Suns, and the New Orleans Pelicans. After five games, James, you look at those three games coming up. How do you feel the Kings, or what do you feel the Kings record will be after the first five games? Yeah, I mean, I think, like if I'm being conservative, I say they're two and three. I think they got a chance to go three and two. Um, I don't like, I love what Steph Curry's doing, but I don't love 
the uh, the Golden State Warriors at this point. I, I don't care who they beat. Uh, you know, I, like I'm not sure that the Lakers are a hot mess right now, and that's one oh, of the yeah. teams they knocked off. And you know, like Steph has been absolutely incredible. But um, you know, if I circle the Lakers and the Clippers, you get the Lakers in Game One. The Lakers are just all over the board. They have not figured out how to blend at all yet. And then like the Clippers, the Clippers are an oddball team. They're really at this point, they're almost a one man team. And, you know, I, I don't fear them like I did last year when they had Kawhi. And I, I thought they had a much better roster last year. So look, I, I think Golden State is a team that I think the Kings can beat. Um, will they beat them? I don't know. I mean, Steph is, is just doing like he's mystical. Like I, I don't even. You know, he's yeah. he's one of the greatest players that we've ever seen, and he does stuff that no one has ever seen before, and it's such a joy to watch him. I mean, through two games, he's averaging 33 and 10, 10 rebounds a game. Um, you know, he's just uh, – what he does is just remarkable. And so I would like to say that Davion is going to, you know, go out there and do what he did against Donovan Mitchell, but – um, Donovan doesn't know how to play off, play without the ball in his hands like Steph does. And Donovan yeah. can't hit from 40 feet, um, and get it up so fast that you have no idea what just happened and the ball's already, like, being taken out of bounds. Um, you know, Curry's just a different beast. So I think, look, if you, if the Kings guards, uh, really go into attack mode and, and they play together and they, they do the switches they need to do, um, then I, I think they've got a shot to, to beat Golden State. Um, Phoenix is, is an intriguing team. Um, you know, of course they made it all the way to the finals last year, which I, I'm not sure that that is going to happen again. Um, you know, it, that was slightly fluky what happened there. Uh, but still they're a quality team. Um, so if I'm going to, if I'm going to choose like how this thing would roll out, I would say that, uh, you know, if they can split, uh, the Phoenix and, and Golden State game, um, I think they're a much better team than than the New Orleans Pelicans at this point, especially without Zion. Um, and even when Zion's back, I, I mean, they, they've got some major problems there where I, I think yeah. you can just pack the lane against that team and, like, they don't they don't have floor, the floor spacers they need at all to be successful um, with the, you know, with a guy like Zion and a guy... Um, you know, that grouping of players that they have. So, um, yeah, I think they needed more shooting. I think they got worse during the off season. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. that. No, uh, I 100% agree with you. Yeah. So, so I think we're at a posi- a point where it's like, you know, if you want to be a good team, then you got to split and you got to take care of the one game that, uh, that you should win out of that. And if you can walk out of the first five at three and two, uh, I think that's, that's a really, really good start to the season when you look at the the caliber of teams that you're going against, you know, four teams that are basically considered playoff teams without any question. Um, that would that would be a good a good start to the season. Yeah, the one thing I, I think you're hundred percent correct. I think the Kings are gonna should be able to beat the Pelicans. I feel like they have the better roster overall and as well and even systematically how they run their offense. I think the Kings look better and know what they're exactly where they're doing, where the Pelicans have no spacing. I think I think the Suns are real. I, I think the Suns just play this system and Chris Paul is the leader. They they know exactly what everyone does. I think that'll be harder of a win than the Warriors. And the Warriors coming in on Sunday, I I, I wanna see James, I want to see the lineup that, that Luke Walton ended the Jazz game with that five guard or small ball, super small ball lineup. And I think this is the team. The Warriors are the team that you are able to do it against. I, I don't know. I feel like that gives you the best shot of winning. Am I wrong in thinking that? Like, I, I feel like that's the team that you go full, full small ball on and see if they can keep up with your pace just as much as you can you keep up with them and slow them down. Yeah, but I mean, I get that. I get the reasoning behind that because you're like, look, if if they're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. Um, I think the Kings need to play Kings basketball, and they need to not worry about what the Warriors are doing. And that means you're gonna go three guard sets, you're gonna go four guard sets. But um, the Kings are so much better when Rashawn Holmes is on the court, and yeah. you know the way that Harrison Barnes is playing right now. 
Um, it really is. I mean, they're just really, Harrison Barnes has played so incredibly well. And so I, like I, look, I, I think the Kings have some opportunities to do some good things in that game. Um, but like, I, I think don't go away from your strengths. Your strengths are, um, you know, guys like Rashawn Holmes that, that really do impact the game. You know, his offensive rating versus defensive rating is just, is just usually off the charts. And, you know, even this season to start through basketball reference, he's a 156 offensive rating versus a 102 defensive rating. Um, he's just a game changer. So I'm not going to play their game. I'm going to play my game, uh, which I think is what the Kings did against Utah until they really like, Without Mo Harkless, yeah, and without and without Fox being a hundred percent, I just don't think that they they had the horses there at the end to do what they needed to do. Yeah, at the end of that Utah game, they were playing really well. Shots were dropping early. It it was towards the end. They just couldn't get anything to go. When Buddy Heald and and Harrison Barnes were the only ones to knock down three pointers in that entire game for the Kings. I mean, that's 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 what happened. And and Terrence Davis not being able to knock down a shot so far through the first two games was a little bit of a disappointment. They just needed another shooter. That didn't happen. I, I think that obviously over time those guys will find their rhythm and, and hopefully, you know, Fox will get get his shot going and we'll see a complete team because I, I agree with you. I think the Kings play Kings basketball. I'll just be honest. I want I want to see that lineup against the 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 Warriors. I think that small ball lineup is going to be fun to watch uh, as long as it's there. But before but I let you're, you go, you're James, playing oh, you're go playing to their strength though. That's the problem. That's true. No, I agree. Like, like you're a hundred percent right. You're playing to the Warriors' strength. I just feel like Barnes can defend Draymond Green and Bar and, and and the defense that Mitchell brings and the fact that you can switch so much. Again, you're a hundred percent right. You're playing to the Warriors' strength. The Warriors play their game all the time, and they try to make you keep up with them. And I don't know which team plays faster right now between the two. And so if you're going to be trying to play fast and keeping up with the fastest team in the league, especially with how fast that ball moves around in Golden State, I say go with small ball lineup. But you're right. You're 100% correct. Rashawn Holmes is a difference maker on this team, and he can be an X factor in that game with how many boards he can get and how many putbacks he can get against Kevin Looney and, and Draymond. So we'll, we'll see what happens. That game is tomorrow, so I'm excited to see it. But before I let you go, James, there's a conversation that just keeps popping up on my radar, and it's going to keep happening when these guys are playing this good, and I think you know where I'm going with this, and it's Ben Simmons. What are your thoughts on the Ben Simmons rumors, and do you are you one of the believers that thinks, like, this is the time for the Kings to get an all-star? This is the time for them to get a guy who's not only an all-star, but is early 20s, 25 years old, locked down for the next four years, do you go after someone like that, or do you keep the depth and the talent that you have here? What are your thoughts? I really like Ben Simmons. I think he'd be really good on the ben Sacramento Simmons. Kings. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be really, really good. And, you know, when you're at a, po- a point where the Kings are at, um, you're trying to snap a 15-season losing streak, uh, you know, where you haven't made the playoffs, but you really haven't, you know, you even come close to 500 most of that time um, or all of that time. Um, like you got to go for broke. If there's a 25 year old guy who's available, in my opinion, um, that could not only impact you this year, but really impact you over the next five years, um, then you got to go for broke. And I'm not giving up, uh, what they want. And, you know, I think we're seeing one of the, the worst unwindings of, of a franchise and of a all star level player. Um, you know, Ben Simmons, just because of the perception regarding him at this point, um, he's going to have a tough time ever making an all-star team again. And I, I don't care where he plays. That's, it's going to be very difficult, um, just because of the way that this situation and, and the way that he's been tarnished, not just by, you know, his own issues on the court, but, um, but, by the way his teammates have reacted and the way the franchise reacted, the way that they tried to get him out of there and it hasn't happened. Like this has just done so much damage to him. And, and I hope he can recover as a player because I really do think he's, he's like a quality, quality two way NBA player. Um, but you know, if I'm the Kings, I'm still looking at it. Uh, you're going to mess up team unity a little bit. 
Um, you're going to take away some of the good things that you have going, especially, you know, it probably costs you Buddy Heald. And uh, it's probably going to cost you Marvin Bagley, which you're not really using, and then it's going to cost you some other things. But, like, you said something about the depth of the team, and I'll tell you this. Um, I think the depth of the Kings isn't just that they have, you know, five really good guards and three really solid centers. And, um, you know, the depth of this team is that on any given night, they have someone that can go for 25 points or 30 points, and they got, like, six of them or seven of them, you know, so there's, if you don't defend the pick and roll, well, Rashawn Holmes is going to run you over for 25 points. Uh, Harrison Barnes is averaging 30 a game. Um, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Terrence Davis, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, like this team has the ability to have bad nights from multiple players and still beat you because they have so much firepower. And the reason I bring that up is because I, I think that, if you do look at the depth, if you look at a conventional depth issue, it's that the Kings need one more long, lengthy 3-4 for when you have a guy like Mo Harkless who takes a monster Corey Brewer type spill and you got to go somewhere else. You know, you've got to, yeah. they don't have that other guy. So like, I know Alfaro Camino got waived by the San Antonio Spurs, like, find the Kings that I'm bringing out for Okamino in because you just need that player. You need that long rangy, maybe hit some threes here and there, but I don't even need you for that. What I need you for is to run around and, and, you know, cause some, some issues on the defensive yeah. end and, and be a good offensive teammate because they have, they have so many other options. So that's that I, I think, they really, really could use uh, a guy like Ben Simmons just to put them. I think it would put them over the top. I think it go from you're fighting for like uh, eight through eleven um, to you're fighting for a six seed, and I, you know, that's what you want. You don't want to just get to the playoffs. You want to be sustainable in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then you want to grow and be better and get better in the playoffs every year. Um, but you know, I, I think they do need one more defensive piece to really help this team one more long rangy guy and you know if you could get it with a 25 year old three-time all-star and and defensive player of the year candidate then i do that as opposed to you know you know bringing people i tell people this all the time it's not that you don't obviously obviously you don't want to get rid of any of these players but you have to give talent to receive talent and and for a guy like ben simmons you would never be in the conversation for a trade of this type of player if it wasn't for this headache that's surrounding him now. So if you throw up this, he- throw in the headache that he's being right now in Philadelphia as an issue of why the Kings shouldn't go after him, I-, I think that you have to realize that's the only way you would be in the conversation for him right now, or he would be getting a James Harden type of package because of his talent. And, you know, I, I feel like at the same time that the Kings have so many nice role players slash key guys that they, they obviously we like to see on this team and they're good to good players on the court. But at the same time, there's no one on this team away from De'Aaron Fox that I have said, yes, he is a franchise building block type of player. Now, there's some that I, I, that there's obviously signs that they could be, but there's no one where you're saying, yes, this is a franchise building type of player. You bring in a guy like Ben Simmons, that's a building block. That's something you can build around. And, and a core, he's a core piece. If you have a grouping of Fox, Ben Simmons and you name the other guy, whether it be Holmes, Halliburton or whatever, that's something you can actually build and continue, like you said, grow, not just make the playoffs, but grow after making that playoff run and being consistent. And I think that's what that's what a guy like Ben Simmons brings. And you get a guy that's twenty five years old on a four year contract. So yeah. I'm all about, I'm no, all there's about there's a ton there's a ton of pluses there and I'll say this too. Him and Tristan Thompson are really close. Like, you might have a guy here that might be able to help him because, look, look, it's not just going to be like, hey, you got Ben Simmons and you roll him out there and he starts and plays 35 minutes a game and averages 14, 8, and 8. Like, he's going to have – there's going to be some transition time where he has to regain his basketball confidence and everything else. You're not getting a a perfect player, but what I do think you're getting is a guy that – 
that fits your player arc and someone that you could build around. And, and again, like Buddy Hield, I think he's been really good, uh, off the bench. I think this is like a perfect role for him. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, you're trading for someone who could be a franchise changer and that's what you're hoping you're getting. And, you know, whether that's true or not, uh, is yet to be seen when it comes to Simmons, but, um, yeah, you gotta be cautious, but uh, I would roll it, roll the dice if the right offer was there, if the right trade was there, uh, that included, you know, future stuff like future draft picks and, and guys that like Buddy and, and Marv. I'm glad you said that, James, because I have two trades for you in oh, front no. of me, and I want to know what your thoughts are. So put put on your GM hat. I'm gonna I'm gonna say let's see if you say yes to this deal. We're the Sixers. We're asking for Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald, and a first round pick. No, no, that's too much. Yeah, it's too much. I mean. Harrison Barnes to me is is a player that he while he's not the the loud cheerleader guy he's a guy who means so much to your franchise um and so my answer like would be no because and again I I think you're trading one one player for another and I could make the argument that while he isn't as good defensively as Ben Simmons he's uh Harrison Barnes is a very good defensive player and overall, he might be a better at this point in his career, like two years from now, probably not. But this point in his career, I could make the argument that that he's right there with Ben Simmons. And like like the difference between them is negligible. Um, Harrison's clearly a better offensive player. Uh, ben Simmons is, is slightly better defensively, better defensively. Um, but and, and he's a better passer than the Barnes. But overall, like you need good people like Harrison Barnes in your franchise. Yeah, I, I really like Harrison Barnes. If I'll be honest, though, if this is just me, if throwing Harrison Barnes in a deal to get, quiet, to get a guy like Ben Simmons, I'm all about it. That's just me throwing that out there. All right, but you said no, so I got another offer here for you. And it looks like I actually got three offers because I really want to get your thoughts on this next trade that gave me a bunch of – I got a ton of stuff on Twitter for this one. But let's first go – let's go back here. I want Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy healed two first round picks. Yeah, see that's really tough. I like Ty a lot, and I would. You gotta get I would, talent to get it. Yeah, but I, I, I'll tell you this: I would prefer to give up an additional first round pick over Halliburton. Um, so yeah, I I would have a tough time with that. Like at the end of the day, like you really have to to balance some stuff there but I, I really do think that would like crush your depth in the backcourt and uh and, and it would be pretty difficult like again buddy and Tyrese you're look you're looking at basically 35 points a game give or give or take a few points uh that's that's not easy to replace so I'd have a tough time with with that I, I I'll be honest with you um you say you're calling me back on that one yeah uh, mm, like I would have a discussion for the discussion with you, um, but I would rather swap uh, Halliburton out and give you either another pick swap or another first round pick down the road. Okay, okay, okay. So let's let's move on to this. Is my final trade, and this is the one that uh, like Let's I said, you burn I to the ground. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where people. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but people were throwing me. They used this uh, Lion King. Gif and they threw me across the land and they they did not like me here. De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley for Ben Simmons. No, no. I mean Fox is just a better player, in my opinion. And to be honest with you, like his trajectory is he's going to be a better player. Yeah. Um, you know, like I, I, know. I think we'll see. we yeah we've seen Ben Simmons sort of plateau in his career. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is just like he's not close to plateauing yet and hit and his plateau is at you know like even if he did plateau it's at 25 and 7 uh where you know the best you're getting out of Simmons is like great defense uh versatility um 18, but still seven, seven. 18 yeah. seven and seven is what you can get from and two steals I don't uh, know if you get 87 for seven you can get 18 seven and seven I mean you gotta think like if they're gonna sag on it you gotta 
I when I think of Ben Simmons in Sacramento, you got to think of him as like kind of like a Giannis in terms of he's just going to have to drive and he's able to finish around the basket strong. And the biggest thing for me is that he can he can defend literally one through five, and not many players you can say say that about. So, I mean. Again, I, I I think Darren Fox and Ben Simmons is what you're going for. My ideal trade, I, in my opinion, James, is something that's gonna be. I I think you have to give up a guy like Halliburton, Buddy, and a in a in a pick, just because you have to give up talent to receive that type of talent on that type of contract, and then you know what your building blocks are, and then you still have a guy in Davion Mitchell that you believe in. So that and then you get to keep you know Harrison Barnes, Holmes, and Fox. Yeah, but you're you're really taking on a gigantic contract. See, like you have to look at is Simmons worthy of the contract of, of the contract that he's under. I mean, you're it's a gamble to bring him in is a gamble, it is. not a surefire thing. Oh yeah, and and so you know maybe you're right, and maybe Halliburton isn't going to be as good as uh, we thought. You know, after his rookie season. Um, but I think it's still way too early to like even question that. I, I think Halliburton is a is a franchise building block as well, and I think you got three guys in the backcourt that you can play for the next ten years together, and they give you so many different things. And Fox, Halliburton, and, and Mitchell, and uh, and so while I would like to have Simmons, um, you know, Simmons what, like, willing to give up is hard. It's hard to know what you want to give up for that type of that type of player. Yeah, but I also think that a Kings first-round pick right now, a future Kings first-round pick because they've missed the playoffs 15 consecutive years, is worth more than Halliburton. And so, like, I I do. I think he's that pick on on the open market. Halliburton is worth more to the Kings. The pick is worth more to the team that receives it. And so you're saying, like, Buddy and four first? Oh, I wouldn't do four, no. I would I would consider... Uh, well, I mean, you can't just do Buddy straight up. You got to do Buddy and Marvin. I would do. Yeah, I would Bagley's consider in a deal. Bagley's in the deal. I'm yeah, poor, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying to be rude, but Bagley's in the deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I would consider. Uh, I would consider Buddy Bagley and and three first. That that's a lot. Um, I certainly would consider two firsts and a pick swap. Um, but again, I I think Philly is still asking for a lot more than that. And to me, that's, that's crazy talk that that's hard to, that's a hard pill to swallow if they're asking for more than that. Like, I think they should have taken the Kings deal a while ago. And I, I think buddy is a really good player in, in their system. Just like, you know, he's a really good player in the King system. And if the yeah, Kings lose Maxie, him, it'll hurt. A maxi buddy, buddy, buddy backcourt surrounding Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris. Is really solid. That's a yeah. solid. That's a solid shooting around those well, guys. That also that probably lets you start Thibel at the three too, just because <sighs> you would have the offensive weapons and the scoring. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Thibel's such an interesting player. Well, we don't. Well, I don't talk about the Sixers, but Thibel's such an interesting player to me. I I I don't know if I like him or if he's if I don't. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh. That has been a great show, James. I want to, I want to give a huge shout out to you, ESPN thirteen twenty Kings Insider James Ham. James, before I let you go, let the fans out there know where they can find you online, and more so, what they can be expecting from you for the rest of the season. Yeah. Okay. So you can find me at at James underscore Ham NBA on Twitter. Um, I lost my blue verification check because I had to change my Twitter handle. Although I hope to get that back soon. Um, you can find me on ESPN 1320. Um, for right now, I am going to beat right from Twitter, uh, which I think is working absolutely like tremendously. I, I like the feel of it. I think it's the modern way that a lot of people should be beat writing, uh, with game recaps and stuff like that. Um, and then, uh, I got some cool stuff coming up. Uh, I, I'm going to have a new podcast. It'll, will come out that will be released probably next week. Um, and then a new writing platform that I'll, I'll be announcing coming up in, in the coming days. And you'll be able to get back to seeing uh, more thoughtful, long-form journalism from me uh, from a different platform. Um, you know, you're not going to get bombarded with a bunch of sidebars and, and game recaps from me anymore. Uh, it's going to be thoughtful, 
uh, you know, things that, that I craft over a day or two and, and things that, uh, like I think fans want to read as opposed to, um, some of the stuff that, you know, that you have to write when you're churning out 500 to 600 stories a year. Um, so you're going to get a different look from me and you'll hear that a lot. Uh, but, um, but it's going to be, I think the adventure is going to be fun and worthwhile. And so I hope people jump on board and follow me. I know this for a fact, guys. James's first article on that new platform is going to be something about grades because James loves writing grade articles. Where you never. You're, you're never going to get another list from me. You're not going to get uh, any more grades. You might get uh, mock drafts. Because, yep. uh, I've been well known for mock drafts, did, uh, tens of millions of page views of mock drafts last year. Um, but you will never get grades from me, uh, and you're, you're gonna get some cool reaction. You're gonna get some cool long form stuff. Um, but more thoughtful and, and more what I think people want at this point. Uh, they want to digest their, their news on social media platforms in 220 characters or less. Uh, you're going to get a ton of video from me on, on Twitter. Um, but, you know, on my big platform, you're going to get something different. There he is, guys. ESPN 1320's James Ham. Go follow him on Twitter at James underscore Ham NBA. Again, James, thank you so much for joining the show. It's been fun. We've, we've done a beginning of the season and end of season recap now for, I believe this is year number eight. I mean, this is, this is a long time. I'm talking to you. This is awesome. Uh, you guys can what was that? We're getting old, Vince. Oh, man. I, I've known you since before I had kids. That's crazy. Uh, my, now my kids are playing soccer and your kids are graduated. That's <laughs> this <right>. is insane. <laughs> uh, you guys can follow me on all social media platforms of at VM Center. Huge shout out to our sponsor, RateCrushers.com. New merch coming out on sale for Sack Kings Nation merch and the Kings Court podcast merch. That's right, guys. Sack Kings Nation has officially been gone and it's died out, but the Kings Court still lives on. This podcast continues to live on with guests like James, like Katie that we had on just a couple weeks ago. So keep subscribing, keep leaving those ratings, keep, 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 keep sharing us because you know what? That's how we continue to grow and how we keep getting these sponsors. So shout out to Ray Crushers for sticking with us. James, once again, thank you for joining the show and until next time, Kings fans. Bye-bye.